At Christmas, I was given a book, and uh, I finished reading it this week. And it's a thriller by Robert Harris called Conclave. And it's about the choosing of a pope. It's a fictional adventure story. You might not think the councils of a church, you know, have much adventure and thrilling aspect within them. You know, is church meeting what you would write an exciting novel about? Well, he's managed to do it. And... With all good thrillers, your mind sort of starts saying, what's happening? Where is this going? What's the outcome going to be? Who done it? Who will win? What is the great crescendo that will happen? And maybe about two-thirds of the way through, you think, I know how it's going. And then it gets to the final page, and you say, well, I wasn't expecting that. The story did it that way. And our reading today, this passage from Genesis 45, is an element of that twist in the thrilling story of Joseph. We sort of had the prologue to the story of Joseph last week when we had that account of Rachel and Leah and how Jacob married two sisters but only wanted one and only loved one. And I alluded to what happened next when I said that that carried on in how Jacob only really loved Joseph and his brother Benjamin. And he put the focus into there. And the family was disturbed. And the family was so disturbed that the brothers sell their younger brother Joseph to be a slave. And tell their father that the precious son is dead. And the slave Joseph ends up in jail because his mistress tells lies about his behavior. But thanks to his spiritual gift to have visions, thanks because God enabled him to dream and to interpret dreams, he predicts a famine for Egypt. He becomes the Pharaoh's right-hand man. In our passage, it even says he's like a father to the Pharaoh. He rises again. And so the story from his birth to where we are today is one of from riches to rags to riches again. But it doesn't reach the end point 
when he gains wealth and power. It has a much more important climax. By God's power, a means has been made that his family might be saved. There will be a remnant. The family will continue. There is salvation. There is hope for these people. If we have been blessed with a spiritual gift, words of prophecy, tongues of interpretation of tongues, visions or pictures from God, if we have been blessed with musical ability or a special spirit of hospitality, then those gifts are not for us. They're not for us to rise up and lord it over others but for us to serve, for us to play our part in the growth of God's kingdom, seeing that his work is done, seeing that his name becomes more and more widely known. The Christian life is one of service. By the power of the Spirit, Joseph has saved people from disaster. Egypt owes everything to him. Its very existence is down to the son of Jacob. Now, the other brothers come asking to buy food. They bring their animals with them, saying, can we exchange? The famine has equally hurt the people of Canaan as well as Egypt. But Joseph plays them. He tests them. For they do not see who he is. They cannot see behind the robes that he was wearing. You know, once upon a time, they were upset about the clothes that he wore. The coat that was put on him by his father the special privilege that he had. Now, they don't recognize him by the clothes that he wears. They're far too princely. They're far above what they could imagine. But yet it is a case of earlier dreams coming true. So he plays, he tests them. And it's obviously time for Joseph to get retribution. For the stepbrothers who were once strong, once able to throw him in a cistern, once able to sell him as a slave, it must be time for him to get revenge because that's how the world works, isn't it? It's not punishment that's on Joseph's mind. He does not hate his brothers, despite all the things that he did to them. The difference, the jealousy, the poor treatment, the years he was in jail through no fault of his own, they're all of no consequence to his response 
to their hour of need. When they need food, he will give food. He will give them the support they need. Joseph is not a man of malice, but a man of God. He sees those who are before him to be new people. Not only have they journeyed a huge distance from Canaan to ask for food, but they have journeyed far from their past behavior. They have grown. They have matured. And hopefully we all do that in our life. We will all develop and think about the things that we have done that have been wrong. And so Joseph forgives. Family difficulties are nothing unusual, are they? Many of us, I hesitate to say all, but it might be all, many of us know of fallings out between siblings or across generations. If not in our own close family, then our neighbours or our friends. Things have been said in the past that should not have been. People have done something that wasn't expected. And as a result, backs have been turned, phones not picked up, letters never written saying how much we care. We are each human, and we are different. Each one of us is loved by God, even though he doesn't always like what we've been up to. What is required is for one member of the family to extend the hand of friendship, to say that the other is loved to try to rebuild common ground. Even if there are still differences, there can still be hope. It's the same in the church family, isn't it? Here we are, brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes it's like Noah and Faith were here earlier. Do you love your sister? Well, not all the time. Jesus, our saviour, was blameless. But we are all far from perfect. We must learn to love even when we can see fault. For it is more than likely that others see fault in us too. There are times as individuals, we must bite our tongue just a little bit and refrain from speaking the things that we want to say. There are occasions when the church needs to bring correction, but there are also times when correction needs to happen to the church so that all of us Remember to live as the Lord has taught. 
Joseph has seen this bigger picture. He understands his place and the place of his brothers in what has happened and God's hand on his people. There has been a difficult journey. Let's make no bones about that. He has been through pain and anguish. He has wondered what next. But Joseph recognises that God has been with him on that journey. In three verses, Joseph makes it clear. Twice he repeats, God sent me ahead of you, before rephrasing it and saying it again. Although it was the brothers who acted in an outrageous way, Joseph understands that God has used it for his purpose. God has watched over him and made him rise to the top in an alien society, one that is quite different from where he grew up. That's not to say that violent action was God's intention, but rather out of the worst of circumstances, a path was made preparing the way for Joseph and in turn preparing a way for his family. The brothers had come for grain, but there was no way that the five years' worth that was required could be transported back to the homeland. The only solution is to relocate Ibdi in Egypt, to bring everyone there. Joseph wants the family to be with him, and Pharaoh blesses the family, promising the best of the land. Not any land, the best land. They will enjoy the fat of the land, the Pharaoh says. A future Pharaoh will forget all that Joseph has done. But just now, they're promised the best. This is an offer of hospitality beyond compare. The brothers were starved out of their homeland, required to become migrants, but are being made welcome with open arms. It is reasonable to say that such a rich reward is given because of what Joseph has done, because of their brother, all the he has enabled to happen in Egypt. However, it should also challenge us about what welcome we give others. If we were to look at the contribution of immigrants, we'd see that they make a net gain to the wealth of this country. And nearly 20 years ago, then-President Bill Clinton said in America that America has constantly drawn strength and spirit from wave after wave of immigrants. They have proved to be the most restless, the most adventurous, the most innovative, the most industrious of people. I'm not sure those words would be shared by the present incumbent. 
but it probably still holds true. The reunion of the stepbrothers seems to give hope for God's people. It seems them relocated and recognised for who they are. It shows an understanding that the creator God is not distant, but journeys with us each step of the way. He shapes the path ahead so that the plan will succeed, even when it involves a sideways step because of the foolish behaviour of humanity. And we see the family as one, overcoming their difficult history by the aggrieved offering love. The Almighty God, aggrieved by the sin of the world, saw us as valuable people whom he dearly loves. He chose, therefore, not to stay distant, but to come into the world. He holds out his hands to us through Christ, that we may be made one and know our part in his family. May we choose to repent and follow his way, sharing his love in the world. Amen.